Hi, and welcome to Under an Open Heaven podcast. We are glad you are joining us as we explore the reality of God's love expressed in Scripture and our own personal experiences. Thanks for joining us today as we explore the reality that we live under an open heaven. Enjoy! Hey, what it- hey welcome back to the podcast this is colton you got here and with me i am joined by arthur richardson here as always (laughs) (laughs) so awkward Uh, the phrase the phrase he got chose anyway uh yeah welcome back back to the podcast we are in person once again as we were last week and uh we're uh, on our second podcast of the night here, and let's go. Yeah, and as usual, we've just discussed our topic. Yep. <laughs> uh, you know, some of the best things aren't really planned. So, I mean, it's well, it's authentic it's, conversation, yeah. which we kind of refine it's and a, then bring to you. That's it's a, that's a rough draft. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, today we're going to be talking about. Something hopefully a little bit lighter than last week, where we were more focused on that question. Death. Yeah, death. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that question about the envelope. If you had that date written on the envelope mm-hmm. and it was a sealed envelope, would you choose to open or not? You know, to know the date of your death. And um, so, hopefully, a little bit lighter topic this week. This is more focused on friendship and the role that the fear of the Lord plays in friendship. And mm-hmm. primarily, we're going to be drawing from. Uh, Book of Wisdom. Yeah. But also John. And yeah. Oh, yeah. And John. Of course, yeah. Alrighty. So, our first bit of scripture here is from the Book of Wisdom of Ben Sarah, chapter 7. This is verse 14 to 17. I'm not going to read all of the, the bit beforehand because it literally is just a warning against having a bad friend. I feel like having a bad friend is something that's pretty common experience. You know, like I think, I think we're sad. I think having a good friend, like a genuinely good, true friend, is actually a very rare experience. And sometimes we almost need it to be read to us and to, to know what to even look for, right? Alrighty, so here we go. Faithful friends are a sturdy shelter. Whoever finds one, finds a treasure. Faithful friends are beyond price. No amount can balance their worth. Faithful friends are life-saving medicine. Those who fear God will find them. Those who fear the Lord enjoy stable friendship. For as they are, so their neighbors will be. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask the question, what role do you think fear of the Lord plays in establishing friendships? Mm-hmm. Because clearly, um, those who share the fear of the Lord find commonality in each other. Yeah. Here's the thing, is that fear of the Lord, uh, or understood as awe, I think this is like a very complicated, very complicated thing. I think it's a, this is one of those things that always needs explaining. It always, it, it, the explanation almost needs to evolve in us as we grow deeper in it, right? Just as like, I have a greater understanding of what it means to love as I continue to grow in marriage. And I have a better capacity to understand that and communicate that. I think the same is true with fear of the Lord. Because it's the same, a similar concept of 
concern for the other with God as it is with concern for the other with my wife, with mm-hmm. my spouse. So fear of the Lord or awe or just genuine concern of what God desires and what he wants and how he sees me and how he sees uh, yeah, the world. Yeah, I think it has, there's, there's definitely a couple of approaches you can take with it. Because yeah. in a sense, you know, the, the, the phrase fear of the Lord mm, could be taken in a number of ways. We've talked about this before. Yes, we have. Um, yeah, fear of the Lord, it could be awe. It could be just respecting and understanding who you are with respect to God. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as, as God revealed more of who he was, that fear of the Lord tended to change from literal yeah. fear because God was this awesome, powerful being with... with that could strike you down with an earthquake or a thunderbolt if needed. Yeah. Or yeah. plagues. Usually plagues. Right. Plagues are great. <laughs> I don't serpents, think so. <laughs> serpents, you know, bronze statue of a serpent with Moses in the desert, and, you know, th- th- them were the days. So, you know? yeah, yeah. So, fear of the Lord back then was a little bit more literal. Literal fear, fear quaking in the boots. boots. Yeah. Now, or the sandals. Yeah. Now, fear of the Lord uh, looks more like love because Christ revealed to us who he was. Uh, I mean, if you also think about it, it's a similar evolution sometimes sometimes with a child and, and their father mm-hmm. or their mother, you know, like the child is bad. Child is punished. Child fears parent, you know, um, because they were punished, right? It's a fear of punishment. Whereas I think now it's a fear of offense or that that's the maturity that we're striving for is a fear of offense, a fear of, um, even just not being on the same page as God, right? Like even in our thoughts, like not just even acting in sin, but um, operating in a mindset of uh, darkness, you know, like an unenlightened mind, uh, a desire for what is evil or a desire for what is immediately pleasurable over what is the, de- the desire for what is good for me and for the rest of the world, you know, um, those, those kinds of things. So kind of getting an understanding of that when someone has this thing, this awe or this fear of the Lord deep at the core of their heart and mind, I think it, it changes who you are. It gives you a different perspective. And from that perspective, so first must come fear of the Lord, awe of the Lord. Then comes a perspective shift that happens. It just is going to happen. And from that can come wisdom. From wisdom can come an understanding of what is good life experienced. And from that, you can have a recognition of another person with a similar perspective life experience that translates to joy that translates to other focused right yeah so i think that's that's if we're going to tease it out and if we're going to like try to explain it to the best of our ability i think that's kind of the natural progression at least that's the progression that i've experienced um what would you say is your take on that yeah uh, I kind of think back to Paul's experience of God. Um, 
being a Pharisee, he came from the old tradition yeah. of, of the Jews where he would, you know, he'd be very used to the law yeah, and very well versed in the history of Israel, mm-hmm. understanding who God was from that perspective. And he was struck, you know, blind yeah. by God. And uh, often, and, and I, th- I can't remember what he specifically said, it, but he was telling the people he was writing to, I came to you in fear and trembling. Mm-hmm. Um, and over time, he came closer and closer to Christ that he once feared. Because, you know, if you, were, if you were a person who was persecuting Christians and all of a sudden Jesus himself knocks you off your high horse and <laughs> makes you blind and says, why are you persecuting me? Confronts you to your face. You would be scared. You'd be very afraid. Yeah. Because your world, as you know it, is starting to crumble a bit as you have to ask yourself who, who this Jesus is. And so he was struck with like literal, just real fear. Yeah, and not but, just who is this Jesus, but who is this God that I have mm-hmm. worshipped, and how is he connected? Yeah. And is my understanding of him even correct? Right. I think that's the biggest thing, is like, is my understanding mm-hmm. of my religion correct? Yeah. And uh, so it was just kind of Paul's initial experience with God, or with specifically Jesus mm-hmm. um, was that initial fear, but over time it gradually became that of love, mm-hmm. where he was, he found himself joyful in the midst of being in prison. You know. Yeah, I would even actually say that it took three days for him to be overwhelmed, but with love. Mm. Because it was three days that he was blind. Mm -hmm. And then the man that he came to, like the ringleader that he was trying to imprison, came and prayed with him. Mm -hmm. And then he received his sight. Yeah. So his enemy loved him in such a way that he had never experienced before. Right. He had never experienced that kind of a miracle. He had never experienced that kind of display of goodness and love. Yeah. And I, I've noticed it before in my own life that mm-hmm. a lot of times, well, I'm, I'm going to reference people in general, but I'm going to reference myself specifically in my own life. When I first encountered God, it was usually in a very loud way, yeah, very clear way where I felt that he was present with me. I could feel it in my, my bones, so to speak. And these experiences are pretty common among the youth yeah and and all of that and people over time uh often grow to doubt those experiences say i was just a hormonal emotional teenager so of course i was going to have strong emotional experiences in this particular setting when i'm around a bunch of other people Mm -hmm. all doing the same thing it has the psychological effect like okay does that render god less real why does that invalidate your experience that you had it in the particular way you did? Because, you know, when you pursue the God who you encountered in that moment, you're going to be drawing cl- close in intimacy in deeper ways, more profound ways. Because even though that was maybe 
a big shock to your system at the time. Things just get deeper and deeper from there. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I do have friends who've, who've left the faith uh, and look back on those moments that they had experienced through the lens of, you know, I was just an emotional teenager and yeah. that experience wasn't, was manufactured rather than authentic. And uh, I have always thought to myself, you know, what's the difference between me and them? Because we've shared experiences in our faith. We've had our shared moments of fear of the Lord, you know, mm-hmm. in its various, um, its various forms from, uh, yeah, these, these high emotional moments. Maybe you experience them, you know, in the earlier days of going on retreats and all that stuff. But in, also in the, in the deeper moments when you're, recognizing you know uh to each other that that um you've encountered love Mm -hmm. in a deep way so what is it then i'm 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 left with the question what is it that why have these friends you know left and and why do i find myself still a part of the faith um all of the answers there, I, I don't quite know, but I know that the God I had encountered initially has just gotten closer and closer to me. And a lot of my encounters with him aren't as loud as they once were. They weren't this rambunctious, not really rambunctious. That's not the right word. They weren't this intense, intense. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. This intense experience. They were, they're often in the quiet now. And I find that I experience, experience God more deeply and not just um intellectually or yeah superficially but in a very intense deep way in a more profound way whenever I go into silence mm-hmm. so what does that say about how our environment affects our experience it doesn't it, yeah right it yeah. doesn't and so I think that's why whenever people experience the fear of the Lord, you know, and it's, it's initial stages, which for some people, for, for me in a particular stage, when I had my blind experience, it was fear, real fear. <laughs> uh, I really connect to Paul there. Uh, but now it's more of this quiet listening to the heartbeat of the God I've come to love. Yeah. And being able to share that with people who I know have experienced the same thing, that creates friendship because we're loving the same person. Mm-hmm. We, we recognize that the, we're not having separate experiences of separate things. Right. Um, and ultimately that's, that's what communities are, is, is based on, you know, the, the yeah. binding, um, the glue of community shared experiences and the fact that we can share experiences when we're hundreds of miles away from each other, it just is, is amazing. Cause we're, we're experiencing yeah. a, a person who's omnipresent, you know, uh, Big word for God is everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. So, so yeah, God not being bound by uh, physical body. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's another topic. Anyway, we're gonna get there. But uh, 
Yeah, as as Catholics, we you know uh, the whole shindig about the Eucharist being the body of Christ. Restrained is a better word. Sorry. Yeah, sure. Restrained is a better word than bound. <laughs> sorry. I don't, I don't, no, it wasn't necessarily a definition. It was just like a really interesting topic. No, I yeah, I know, I know. My brain went down that path too. Oh, so okay. Fine. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> so the like, Catholics, you know, having the Eucharist, believing it's the body of Christ, Christ being substantially present. There, I'm gonna make a little amendment. There are other okay. Christians who also believe in that. Yeah. In and I don't want to discredit their belief either. No, no, so, but I mean, stereotypically, stereotypically, Catholics, Catholics are very and, Eucharistic minded. Yeah. And so in, if we are, we are literally, whenever we're going to mass, we're encountering the same God in the same way as someone who is on the other side of the world is experiencing God. Yeah. And, uh, that shared experience will transcend and it does transcend language barriers. Right. Uh, and, yeah, so the, the, there's the fear of the Lord has taken so many shapes from our, our early, the early faith of Abraham to Moses to the prophets uh, and yeah, then all the way through Christ. It's changed shape as God has drawn near to us. So the nearness of the Lord mm-hmm. changes how we relate to him so the fear of the lord isn't so much fear and trembling but is rest resting really uh you know at times yes resting in the heart of god so yeah i mean so let me let me throw this out to you because like uh you brought up you brought up the the, uh during holy thursday Mm -hmm. um the, the reading in first or in first in, in John, John yeah. in the book of John, the gospel of John, mm-hmm. where Jesus is washing the feet of, of his apostles. Yeah. Now here's something interesting. And this, I got two, I got three thoughts here that I want to throw out here. I'm going to name all three of them so I don't forget them. And then we're going to kind of circle back to each of them. Uh, the first one that I want to mention is I want to make a clarification statement that I made about there are other Christians who believe in, in the presence of Jesus. I'm not making, uh, for, for our Catholic listeners, I'm not making any type of statement. It's just if you listen to certain Protestant speakers, they believe the scripture passages of Jesus saying, this is my body, this mm-hmm. is my blood. They believe that, right? They believe his word is the living word, and they trust in that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's, there is that. So I just want to throw that out there uh, just as a clarification statement. Um, ecumenicalism, well done ecumenicalism is a big thing in my heart, you know, especially right now. Yeah. Just finding brother, brotherhood and sisterhood in, in people who know and love Jesus and have met him. And this is the second point. There is a certain, and it also connects to the third point, there's a certain thing that needs to happen within that encounter, that shared experience, and that that is essentially it needs to penetrate our hearts. It needs to actually take shape in our lives, right? Because Judas was there when Jesus washed all of the apostles' feet. I'm pretty sure it's right before supper. <laughs> he washed their feet, right? Yeah, because he says not all of you are clean. And he was referring to Judas. So, Point being that I'm making is that just because you're there experiencing the same thing does not mean you're necessarily allowing the fear of the Lord to enter in. It's not does not mean necessarily that you are actually being drawn into genuine awe 
by what you're experiencing. Mm -hmm. You can go visit the Grand Canyon or some mountain range or, you know, watch Lord of the Rings and see the Lonely Mountain. Uh, you know, <laughs> something crazy. I don't know. I'm just the, I'm reading Lord of the Rings and the book is on my, on my desk. Anyway, mm -hmm. you can have a shared experience and it does not necessarily, you can, you can have a hardened heart towards that experience. Right. Right. Which is why St. Paul actually encourages us to discern the body in first Corinthians and those who don't are suffering sickness and destruction, <laughs> you know, uh, they're, they're suffering problems. So the point that I'm trying to make here is that, and this is the twofold point, just because we experience something doesn't necessarily mean that we've earned it. Right? Like I, I have experienced I'm going to have a vulnerable moment. I have experienced some incredible encounters with the Lord. But I have also experienced some tragic, hard, painful things that have made me question whether or not God is good. Mm -hmm. And the question that rises in my heart is, is my heart going to become hardened from the hardship or refined? And what that kind of translates to is how does the initial experiences that I've had or the, even the experiences that I've had during the trial that awaken my heart and my mind and my eyes to God's goodness, are they going to outweigh the pain? Are they going to outweigh the doubt and the fear? and the sense of loss in such a way that I genuinely believe that God is good. I, I think that's, that's like what it really boils down to, at least for me in my life right now, and how this, like this probably is going to be completely different in somebody else's life and, and how they're experiencing fear of the Lord. But for me right now, it's not just my emotional response, but it's like all of these situations wrapped up into one and how is my heart responding to all of them in my past and in my present and potentially in my fear, in my future. Like what, how am I anticipating the future? So I don't know. Those are, those are just kind of my thoughts on all of that. Um, do you have any thoughts around that passage in, in John where he washes the feet of his friends? Yeah, I would say that uh, Holy Thursday, you know, the other week is a little moment when something, you know, struck me during the Mass in such a way that it felt like God was highlighting this for me, mm -hmm. this particular um, point. So, yeah, Jesus, who is their master, he's their teacher, he's the person that they hold in esteem above themselves, you know, to be a disciple would literally be to like eat the dirt from the, the, the feet of Jesus as he's walking to, to follow him that closely. Mm -hmm. um, and now Jesus gets up, takes off his outer garment, wraps a towel around his waist, and then takes the posture of a servant and uh, goes to wash Peter's feet. He says, you know, Lord, are you going to wa washing my feet? 
Uh, and Jesus says, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. And Peter's like, no. <laughs> you, you will never wash my feet. And of course, yeah, Jesus this whole time was just like, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. You're making it very Bathe clear. everything. Yeah. And <laughs> then Peter's like, oh, shoot. Then, Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and head as well. So yeah. um, he's like, oh, okay, this is that serious. So bring it on sort of a thing. Um, and in Peter fashion goes a little bit too far. Yeah. <laughs> of course, yeah. He, he's all or nothing, this guy. I know. Uh, this is why he's my confirmation sponsor or saint. <laughs> If he was your sponsor, that would be impressive. I'm old, man. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, uh, so. I'm actually, I'm actually a very old bishop. <laughs> oh, gosh. So. Uh, I'm an incorruptible. <laughs> you're taking this pretty far. I got to finish what I'm talking about. Everything. No. Uh, so. It says. Uh, after, so after he was done washing their feet and everything, it's, um, he put on his clothes, returned to his place, and he says, do you understand what I have done for you? And that line specifically is what really stood out to me, and it sent, sent like shivers down my spine and honed my attention in. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what awe does, I think. That, that's an aspect of it, is whenever um, there's an effect on you. Yeah. And you being a body-soul composite are going to experience it physically and of course mentally and emotionally you're going to respond to it and it called me out a bit from myself Mm -hmm. and in that moment i recognized that christ was speaking to me specifically you know as these words were written thousands of years ago it was touching me in a specific place in my heart do you realize what I've done for you? And I believe that, um, so obviously the washing of feet was, cons- it's symbolic of the forgiveness of sins. You know, Jesus is drawing an analogy to the forgiveness of sins. He says, those who have had a bath only need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean. So he's, um, of course, you know, the, then there's the concept of baptism. When you, back then, they would, it was full immersion. Yep. Uh, you know, your whole body would be clean. So this, mm-hmm. in a sense, was him cleansing them before the supper. Mm-hmm. And, um, and to draw attention to what you were discussing before about discerning the, the, the body and everything like that. That's also part in, in Catholic Christianity is like when you go to Mass and receive Jesus, you know, in in communion you got to really understand and and seek forgiveness and we go to reconciliation we go to confession yeah and that's what that's uh yeah symbolizing in that way but that, that was an aside some, something that i think is is more important than even understanding i'm not going to bring it back to this so don't worry i'm not going to go off on a crazy tangent but um something i think is even more important than just intellectually understanding because i think it's it's much easier to intellectually understand mm-hmm. this yeah. than it is to experience the mystery. Mm-hmm. So being able to experience the discernment of who Jesus is in this mystery of life-giving bread, this fruit of the tree of life, mm-hmm. 
This is the thing that my heart craves for more than anything else. This is being able to discern that, right? To feel that, to experience that again. I think that's what we're really being called to. It's not just, oh yeah, I believe this is Jesus. Okay, amen. (laughs) You know? Um, It's not, it's it's so much more than that. And Uh I think, I think uh, bringing it back to wisdom here real quick, and then we can, sorry, if you, I know you got a point and we can bring it back to that. Um, but those who fear the Lord enjoy stable friendship for as they are, so will their neighbors be. And I think this is being displayed here at the washing of the, of the feet. Mm-hmm. Jesus enjoys stable friendship with his father. Jesus is trying to share that as neighbors, as friends with his apostles so that they will be like him. And that is his call to them all throughout his teachings, his last words to them before and after the Last Supper. It's all about that. It's all about union with him. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you had, you had a point. And I, I'd... No, what I had gone off on was more of a tangent from my point um so I, w- I was more or less alluding to that to just bring out the the way that i had experienced the fear of the lord in that particular moment hearing it mm. you know read uh from the gospel and it had a convicting effect on me it's like do i really realize what jesus did mm. do i understand what he's done for me and I realized, like, right now, no. You know, I'm, I'm not in a place of awareness fully, or at least not as much as I know I've been in the past, of what he's done for me. Mm-hmm. And that in and of itself was really convicting and shined a light on that part of me. So... More or less, that was another aspect of fear of the Lord. How that how that moved me mm-hmm. in a particular moment. Because ultimately, when you experience awe, um, you experience awe in a number of ways. For instance, you know, a beautiful piece of music triggers that in me. It moves something in me. I have a physical, emotional response to it. And uh, same, same with beautiful things. You know, the, I love springtime because that's when, you know, things start coming back to life, so to speak. You know, yeah. obviously nothing was necessarily dead. But things start showing forth their life. Yeah. And that touches my heart in a very deep way. It affects me very deeply in the experience of these natural things. I don't think is separable from the experience of God. Mm-hmm. Um, it can't be because, you know, of course, whenever something is in harmony with its end, that's when it shows forth the glory of God. Whenever a tree is blooming fully, it is most like itself. It is becoming what it is. And in that way, it glorifies God, draws attention to God 
Um, and same with music. Whenever harmonies are just right, it's almost as if they, they signify in some particular way the harmony of the Trinity. And the harmony between the soul and God. It's there there are these non rational expressions of the experience of God. Mm-hmm. Um so this is one of those particular moments. It wasn't the um the rationality of the statement, do you understand what I've done for you? It was something that reached past my sense of reason uh and and sort of woke me up a bit. Yeah. And that's that's what my experience of awe in a particular instance yeah was i mean if it's okay with me saying i I almost just listened to you it almost sounds like you had an experience of god of jesus Mm -hmm. doing this thing in your heart Mm -hmm. and then revealing that to you in such a way that you grew in trust for him grew in love for him would, would, would that's, you say that's, that's kind of accurate? That, that, that is the ultimate that, that's the ultimate point of you know whenever the, the lover is calling out to the beloved it's always yeah. to draw that attention you know mm-hmm. to, to gaze back so that's what it is you know mm-hmm. that, that's what awe is it's God's beckoning your gaze so yeah I would say those are the summation of my thoughts on the topic at the moment i think uh, i was able to share what i wanted to share with uh and process what i wanted to process as well i think that was also helpful thank you so much for listening we hope that you enjoyed this episode we hope you that you enjoyed listening to us uh process out these deeper mysteries of of understanding wisdom of understanding ourselves and and just what it means to be in relationship with God. And we hope that this helped you. If it did, please share. Please share with somebody. Um, you know, we're excited about uh, getting the word out. And we're excited about helping you articulate your own experiences. Uh, if it, you know, by, by understanding our, us through our vulnerability. So, uh, yeah, if, if you feel like this was helpful for you, Pray, ask God if there's somebody that would benefit from this episode. Other than that, we hope you have a wonderful day. Take care and God bless. Bye. Thank you all so much for joining us this week. We hope that this podcast blessed you. And we ask if it did, share that with the people that you love so that it can bless them as well. If you want to reach out to us, we are available on Facebook. We are under an open heaven. Our email address is under an open heaven.fire at gmail.com. And we are on Instagram at under an open heaven.fire. So please go uh, give those a gander and send us any th- any feedback that you want. We would be happy to reply to you. God bless. Bye.